What up, everyone, and welcome to episode five of Fightful's Wrestling Roundtable. I'm your host, Shaquille Matchery from CBS Sports, but today I am Team Fightful all the way. More importantly than that, though, I'm here every week. You get bored of me. You come for the panelists, the experts, the people who make me look smart, who make me look good. And who do we got today? The best of the best. First, he is the mind behind Wrestling Inc., Raj Geary. How's it going, brother? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. You know, straight off Mexico, tanned, burnt, a little nice. sleepy, a little jet lagged. We're ready to do this. Although I, I got to figure something out. If I start every stream by reminding everyone how tired I am, maybe I got like an iron deficiency or something. <laughs> uh, next we have, you've heard her, all the major pro wrestling spots, pro wrestling illustrated, busted open radio, Candice Cordelia. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, and don't forget about Broadway World if you got to get your theatrical fix. And can't forget my brother from another mother, affiliate websites, comicbook.coms, Connor Casey, interviewing all the big names, AEW, WWE, and abroad. How's it going, bro? going on Shaq this is a low-key CBS takeover right here yeah well you <laughs> I know, don't think you told Sean about this no it I, I can see his analytics so I got some I uh, got some things in store for Sean now uh, guys thank you so much for tuning in if this is your first time watching please and if you followed one of these great people over here please thumbs up subscribe tap the notification bell we will have a Q&A portion at the end super chats only so if you'd like to leave your super chats please do and we will get to them on the tail end of the show now, very quickly, got to do this, got to get this out of the way. This stuff only happens because of Fightful's great sponsors. Shout out to NordVPN. This show is brought to you by NordVPN.com slash Fightful, the world's fastest VPN, now providing threat protection against online trackers, annoying pop-up ads, and malware. Change your virtual location with just one click with NordVPN and get an additional month free as well as a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's NordVPN.com slash Fightful. And fun fact... Total coincidence, I got hooked up with NordVPN like a week before my vacation because you can't gamble. You can't gamble from out of country, and I wouldn't recommend it, but I follow some very smart people with some very good picks. Uh, so make sure you get your VPN, get your betting sites right, watch those Netflix programs that you can't watch from home. We know how fightful viewers are. Maybe you're trying to get the naughty naughty down and you don't want people tracking what you're doing. NordVPN has got you covered. All right, everyone, let's get started. Without further ado, topic number one. Um, I got to say, as a fan of competition, as a fan of things shifting in the pro wrestling landscape, to see WWE get their first AEW acquisition in Cody Rhodes is just amazing. Not only was it a major scoop, there's so much to d dive into in terms of sort of what that means for the pro wrestling industry. Now that we're sort of you know, still in the honeymoon phase of Cody Rhodes' WWE return, but, you know, a week plus into the process, how are we feeling? It's a small sample size to go off of, but based on the Raw after WrestleMania, his match with The Miz, the rematch coming up with Seth Rollins, what are your early indications for how Cody Rhodes is going to fit into the WWE universe? We'll go to Raj first. Uh, so far, it's, I think it's been great. I, I feel like it's been a a home run so far but again we're only two weeks in we'll only really know you know in like two months how it's where it's headed and how it's going but you know so far i think they've been doing everything right i like the way he was presented at wrestlemania it was kind of cool how they kept it a surprise didn't announce it ahead of time and cody he's just different you know when he's doing the the promo and granted it was, it, it was scripted where he's, he's saying wrestlers and belts and Miz is correcting him it, it just brings in this different dynamic and, you know, when you when you look at Roman Reigns and realistically who can beat him and take the title, there aren't many people really on that list. And so Cody kind of shoots up to the top if they can keep him strong, keep booking him well. I don't know if they could go all the way to WrestleMania. SummerSlam is a little early this year. It's at, at the end of July. So, you know, maybe you do Cody and Roman at, at SummerSlam. Cody gets that big win and then you have that program for the fall and you know, maybe he heading into next year's WrestleMania. But I think uh, I think the sky's the limit just because they don't have many other guys in that position. I mean, Brock is in and out. Um, so outside of that, it's just Cody right now. Candace? Mm. I like the way Raj thinks because I am 100% on board with all roads, pun intended, leading to 
Cody versus Roman. And I've had this debate recently uh, with two other friends of mine. And one was on my side, the other was thinking, no, it can't, why, why would you think Cody versus Roman? But honestly, I think that's uh, where we're leading to. I'm loving what we're seeing so far. And I can tell that Cody is very comfortable. He is really liking the position that he's in now. And I feel like with more of the creative side, uh, just seeing him grow and exert his creativity, the sky's the limit. And honestly, I love what we're seeing also with Cody versus The Miz. That was fantastic last night. And the rematch, I can't wait for the Cody versus Seth. So I'm, I'm absolutely loving uh, this side of Cody and seeing him shine in this position. Connor? As far as this first week or so he's been with them, I was blown away uh, that the presentation was virtually unchanged uh, from what his time in AEW, him showing up at Mania, the full Homelander garb, the entrance song, the logo is the same. Like they really have changed nothing about the presentation. And then when you look at how he's, you know, how he's wrestled on Raw, how he's cut promos on Raw, they're not shying away from the fact of where he was uh, or what kind of star he turned into in those six years he was away. They kept all of that. Um, and I think that's why, you know, it's pretty apparent he's being elevated to be the number two guy in the company right now behind Roman. Now, when we talk about things like what's the ceiling for him, it's hard to say when it's not entirely clear what WWE's plan is right now. Mm -hmm. By all indications, they don't really know what they're doing with the unified two titles. If they're being treated as two, if they're treated as one, if we're going to get rid of one of those belts soon. The brand split seems to be going away. It seems to be getting more and more deteriorated as the weeks go on. Um, you could say, hey, Cody's, you know, your top guy on Raw, but we don't really know what that means right now. We, we don't know if that, if that means, hey, he gets the next shot at Cody at SummerSlam, or if that's Drew, or if Brock for some reason comes back again. It's, there's a lot of questions, but it's all positives on his side. It'll be really interesting to see how Cody sort of capitalizes off this because, like, uh, you've all said, man, when Ricochet is sort of considered your number two guy on your strongest brand, SmackDown, and that's no disrespect to Ricochet, it's a consequence of how he's been booked. It's troubling, but it leaves a lot of room for Cody Rhodes to do well. And, you know, talking to my colleague over at CBS Sports, Brent Brookhouse, in the lead-up to WrestleMania, I was pretty staunch and, like, You've built up Roman Reigns too much to have Brock Lesnar beat him. Brock Lesnar doesn't need that win. We need to take all these resources we put into Roman Reigns and elevate it someone. The natural sort of resistance to that as well, who is in any position to do that, could be Cody. Or is WWE willing to really strap the backpack to him, considering that he's coming over from AEW? I don't think they have much of a choice. If you're going to have someone beat Roman in the next six months, I, I think you all make a very strong case that who else is there if not Cody Rhodes? And I think it'd be very, very cool to see. All right. Let's move on to topic number two. Uh, you know, I talked to Tony Khan late last year, and, and we and it's something he told a lot of media, busted open as well, how they're going to slow down. AEW's going to slow down on the talent acquisition in 2022. I don't know about you guys, but I don't feel like that has happened at all. And now we're talking about a whole other brand being introduced. That being said, some of those acquisitions, I think, were must-have acquisitions. When you guys look at the list of wrestlers that, w, uh, that AEW has signed in 2022, and I'll pull it up for those who may be missing one here or there. Um, we're going to exclude Ring of Honor signings, but the ones that are officially all-in, all-elite Graphic and all, 2022, we got Brody King, Danhausen, Keith Lee, Shane Strickland, Buddy Matthews, Jeff Hardy, William Regal, Tony Storm, and Samoa Joe. Candice, we'll go to you first. Who do you think of those signings in 2022 is the best thing that Tony Khan has signed, the person who can take it the farthest or at least has the most to offer to the promotion in the long term? That's so hard. And I was thinking back today and I, it's only April and I was thinking, oh my gosh, all of these signings happened <laughs> in 2022. It's, it's wild. There's promise in most, if not all of them. The first person that comes to mind for me is Tony Storm. I really, really am excited to see what she does in AEW. And I know she's one of the newest acquisitions, but we're, we're leading into what looks potentially to be her versus Jamie Hayter. And I'm just, I, I, I can't wait for that. I'm really rooting for that. I'm rooting for her. 
and Swerve is a, is a fave of mine. He always has been, you know, I see a lot of potential in him as well. It, just when he comes out, his aura, the fans just love him, you know, and that's before he even makes it into the ring. He just has that presence and that it factor. Same thing with Tony Storm. So those two pop in my mind as, as folks to really keep an eye out for. And that's not to say, you know, with Keith Lee, I can't remember if that was someone you did mention. There's just so many signings. It's like, I'm trying to keep it all together. But yeah, Tony and, and Swerve, those are my top two for at this moment. Okay, Connor. So a couple honorable mentions, uh, William Regal, just because the uh, the Blackpool Combat Club is so uh, quickly becoming my favorite thing in wrestling, period. Um, a couple of honorable mentions, uh, Samoa Joe and Jeff Hardy. I know in if this were a decade ago, those would easily be my top two picks, but both of them just kind of have the mileage and aren't looking to bring the same thing that they could have a decade ago. Joe is obviously... Uh, splitting his attention between AEW and Ring of Honor. And Jeff has made it pretty clear he's sticking with the tag team. Uh, and also Tony Storm. She's so young. She hasn't even be. I don't feel like she's even begun to scratch her full potential yet. And when you see how much she's done already, that's pretty incredible. And also Swerve, because I feel like that's a guy that didn't, WWE didn't know what they had with him until Hit Row. And within the year he was gone, which I think is a shame. But my pick is Keith Lee. And Keith is... I think really the first occasion where WWE let a guy go that you could have said, this is a WrestleMania main eventer. We have, and we haven't tapped into that potential yet. We let him go. And then AEW stops by and says, Hey, we'll pick him up and take him from where you left off. Triple H clearly had every bit of confidence in this guy when they crowned him with both of their top singles titles. And then when they got into the main roster, there between the health issues and just, I think, a lack of understanding of what he brought to the table is why he floundered. And he is, in my mind, 1,000% a guy you can build a main event picture around. He is, you know, he's my number one pick for, hey, when are we going to have, you know, our first Black World Champion in AEW? My pick is him. You know, I, I, I think back to his interactions with guys like Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and the, the reaction that it drew from fans. And there are so few people that can get that kind of reaction now. And he is absolutely one of those people that can do it. Um, I don't see it. I don't see his push to the main event happening right away. I think they're doing a slow burn. And as Tony says, he, he he's thought out that world title picture quite a ways in advance. But give it a couple years, and I think he's right there. Is it just me? This is so unrelated. I'm so sorry. Is it just me or is his like symphony thing always out of sync with the crowd chance? Meh. What can you do? What can you yeah, do? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> if I, maybe it's just maybe it's my completely legal means of watching AEW Dynamite that are uh, throwing me <laughs> off track. Raj, how we got what we got from you here? Uh, it's kind of I mean, that is kind of a loaded question because you got short term, kind of medium term, and then mm-hmm. long term. I think short term. Jeff Hardy, um, Samoa Joe, you can throw them in that main event mix right away. And it doesn't have to be against Hangman Page, but, you know, at that top of the card where they're, you know, drawing numbers to Dynamite, to the pay-per-views. I don't see legs with the Hardy boys. I think they need to hurry up, get that Young Bucks match and move on. Uh, It it just, them wearing the old gear and everything, it just doesn't, it just, I don't know, it kind of feels uh, like it's not going to, we're not going to be seeing that six months. I think Jeff Hardy, just with, you know, his superstar charisma and everything short term, I think they can put him in that mix. He'd be good for numbers. He'd be good for ratings. He'd be good for pay-per-view buys. Now down the road, I think Swerve, I think Swerve and Tony Storm, Tony Storm in the women's division, Swerve uh, with the men's, I think five years from now, he'll be, you know, one of the ones we'll be talking about. Uh, but short term, I think it's, it's Jeff Hardy and Samoa Joe and, uh, yeah, uh, you know, again, and then medium term kind of to Connor's point, I think Keith Lee, I don't see him necessarily in the main event mix anytime soon, but I think he will be. And whether that's next year or two years from now, uh, I, I see him, uh, I see him being in that mix. So a, a bunch of great signings, William Regal, you mentioned, uh, the, the amount of knowledge he brings that he can impart upon the younger talent is just that that release always surprised me you know there there are some that do and some that don't and that especially with the the people that aren't appearing in front of the camera that often and William Regal kind of shocked me um I think to date AEW's done a really good job of utilizing some of their veteran wrestlers like you said Raj putting them in situations to 
bolster views, bring in fans, but also give the younger guys a good rub. One, shout out to the Blade, man. His face got smushed on that Swanton bomb. Can I just say, I, I think you're right. They're pushing that nostalgia act way too hard. It's like in your face every week, Hardy Boys theme song. At the very least, you got to get a run in. And two, do we need to see Jeff Hardy jumping off something every week? Like, I'm, I'm really worried for the guy's health at this point. It's just, it seems a little uh, redundant and excessive. I agree. I, I think you should save those those big moments for the big matches or pay-per-view. Um, I think doing it every week, it just loses more and more uh, every time you see it. And um, yeah, the, the Hardy Boys nostalgia, it's it's cool short term, but uh, it, it'll get old really fast. So I think uh, hopefully they move on from that after uh, after Double or Nothing. Um, I'm going to go for my pick. Oh, sorry, Connor, did you want to chime in there? I saw your mouth. I, I was there. just saying, I, I think they're aware of that. Like, Jeff has made no bones about it. Like, he's not going to do a singles run. And he and Matt have both said pretty publicly, this is our last go at it. So I think they're aware that their shelf life with this is limited. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Samoa Joe for my pick, and it's twofold. I, I was tempted to pick William Regal. I think that might be my favorite personal signing just for what he pro- what he's proven to be able to do on the mic uh, as an authority figure, as a manager, behind the scenes for the guys. I think Samoa Joe is sort of like a younger version of William Regal in a sense. You've got someone who, to this point, injuries aside – can still go pretty damn well in the ring. Um, I thought, you know, he showed a lot of intensity, a lot of skill, um, and, man, underrated when it comes to presentation. Like, what an authentic, believable, badass Samoa Joe is. From the jump, you can tell the crowd is into it. Um, I think, I don't know how long his shelf life is, but I think these next couple years he could really go. Like Raj said, you can throw him right into a main event scene, and it's believable. Beyond that, I think between the commentary work and his role in NXT, he's proven to be someone that... Tri- and I, it, Man, say what you will about Triple H's politicking, uh, rumors or otherwise. Back in the day, every person I've talked to was part of that NXT brand. Killer Cross, Malachi Black, the list goes on. Nothing but compliments for how giving Triple H was, how much he cared for the success of those talents and of that uh, developmental brand. And if he is someone that if he if Samoa Joe is someone that Triple H trusted in to have a role both backstage and in the ring, I have a really good feeling for what Samoa Joe is going to offer, not just now, but especially once he retires from in-ring competition. All righty, I'm trying to see where you know what we're we're, we're moving pretty quickly. So I'm gonna throw a little bonus question for you guys quickly. Uh, when AEW started, as many fresh promotions do, it feels like they can't do no wrong, right? Everything's exciting, everything is new. Now that they've got some reps under some belts, are you starting to see any sort of emerging patterns that are maybe, I don't want to say troubling, but things that maybe AEW needs to be aware of, some maybe repetitions that they're falling into. You know, we criticize WWE all the time for 50-50 matchmaking or sort of their hot and cold streak with stars, rebranding characters that already seem to have legs underneath them. What are some things you think AEW is doing right now that they maybe need to be careful of not making a habit out of? We'll go to Connor first. Um, It has to do with their pay-per-views. I feel like they're very good at building up specific episodes of Dynamite. But when it gets to those quarterly shows... It really seems like they have a couple of matches that they always had in mind, and then they get to the week of and realize, oh, crap, we we still need to fill this show. So a lot of stuff will very quickly in those last two weeks get added, and then it always seems like, why do we have 10 matches on this card? I get we only do this once, four times in a year, but this the show always feels like it goes a little bit too long with one or two matches that could really be cuts. Um, the last three shows I would say have gotten away from this problem, but it's still one that just kind of lingers. Raj. Uh, That's that's kind of a, uh, that's kind of a tough one. You know, there's you shill. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've had a couple, you know, I've had a couple of different uh, criticisms of AEW over the years. One was when they would have so many people on the show that unless you watch dark or elevation, you have no idea who these guys are. But they've kind of gotten way better about that. You know, there's, everyone was in a faction. There'd be factions all over the place. And I feel like they've gotten way better uh, about that over the past year. Uh, another thing I'd say is they're bringing, you know, they're creating new fans. And then sometimes just assuming 
all the fans are internet wrestling fans and they know, you know, what the AAA title is and they know who Dan Housen is, uh, you know, without really doing a video package or something to kind of explain mm. uh, who these guys are that are coming in because you want to grow, you want to bring in new fans. You can't assume that they all know everything that the internet wrestling community does in, in my opinion. So I, I think that's something that they kind of need to, to work on a little bit. And, you know, you bring in Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, Grant, everyone's going to know who, who those yeah. guys are, but it's, you know, the Brody Kings and, and some of the guys that, you know, like I mentioned, Dan Housen, the, the ones that haven't been featured nationally as much uh, just kind of, letting people know who they are, why they're important, why the AAA tag team titles are important. I feel like you start having so many belts on the TV, it it makes your own belts feel, I wouldn't say less than, but you, you, it just kind of blends in. You're like, wait, which champs are they? Are they the ROH champs? Are they the AAA champs? Are they, you, know, you, you know, it just gets a little muddled. So uh, those would be some of mine. Candace? Yeah, I mean, it is a tough question because, and I see this as someone who's watched AEW from the very beginning, um, I tend to think, okay, it's a three going on four-year-old company, and they arrived at a very precarious time in history. I mean, their second year going into things, the pandemic happened. So I could only imagine that there were a lot of plans that perhaps were in the motions that just couldn't happen because of the pandemic and simply being stationed in Jacksonville for quite some time. Having said that, I mean, one of the first things that pops in my head is writing. You know, speaking as someone who's not only an on-camera host, but a writer, I would like to see more of some sort of script. And that's just because coming into wrestling, that's what I, I saw. You know, one of the things that really, that I gravitated towards wrestling for was the reason of having these storylines. And that's not to say you can't have a storyline without a script, but you can certainly make things a bit tighter, make things make have a bit more sense, especially for new fans coming in. I mean, imagine a casual fan turning on the station and, and wondering what's happening. I don't know what's going on. And that goes to Raj's point about having video packages as well. I think having a video package would certainly help for people who are not familiar with the independent wrestling scene and, and make people understand exactly who Dan Housen is, who is Wheeler Yuta, why should we really care about certain feuds? Because there are fans that want to watch AEW, but I could understand them saying, I don't understand that. I don't know what's happening. And, and it's like watching a soap opera and coming in at the 200th episode and being like, what, what is this? Who is this? And why should I care? So I think those are the two things that really stand out. And then I'm going to say it also the women's division. I want to see more women's matches. Um, I'm not just saying this because I'm the only woman on the panel, but I want to see it. <laughs> and a lot of people want to see it too. So more women's matches. I want to see all of those women shine and do more and have more of a platform. And sometimes just having one, one woman's match, whether it's main event or not, just isn't enough because the talent is there. So I'm here for it. Love it. Uh, I'm going to nitpick on this one. I, I, I agree with Raj that I think the factions have been a very good way to get a lot of people FaceTime. I'm man, they're, they're throwing out a lot of run-ins here, post-match run-ins for me. It's getting a little excessive. It feels like every week now you can expect that uh, Adam Cole and Red Dragon are going to run in on something, and then Jungle Express is going to come in, and there's going to be a brawl. Don't get me started on Andrade and Sting. I mean, if 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 any combination of if you see Jeff Hardy or Matt Hardy or Darby or Blade or Butcher in the ring, you know it's going to devolve into like a twenty-person brawl. So for me, that's getting a little cumbersome, and I understand why they're doing it but there has to be a more creative approach to sort of getting these people facetime moving can we also please Back just drop in, that story <laughs> in their only defense for that at least the run-ins aren't ending the matches right yes. then and there at least yeah. they're having the finish i'll give them that. connor you aew everyone's getting one aew show by the end of this myself <laughs> I, I do want to add one more thing overhyping surprises um, and you know, the ROH <laughs> announcement did not do as well as some of the past ones. And I just wonder if people just aren't, uh, aren't buying the gravity of the, uh, the hyped announcements. So that's, I, I do, you, I think you're, you all really hit the nail on the head on there. There does seem to, it feels like we live in an, in, a bubble of internet wrestling when it comes to AEW sometimes. And, uh, I, I think it's easy to get lost in that even for myself and I'm sure for some of the viewers, you're right that there are going to be fans coming in that are maybe more casual fans or relapse fans who, who you know, the ones at the shows are going to pop for Danhausen and are going to buy the merch. But is that translating for the overarching fan who maybe isn't in, a, in tune with what's happening on the regional scenes? 
Um, okay, I'm gonna keep throwing these impromptu topics at you guys. Gotta keep. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply everyone on their toes want to split it up a little bit between aew and wwe stuff um i wouldn't i i think i'd like to think i have a solid vocabulary a, a, a at least rudimentary grasp on the english language but man the rated r superstar edge is throwing out some big words week to week and um <laughs> I know a lot of people were cold on his, what is it, the mountain of omnipotence, omnipotence situation that he's got going on. WrestleMania showed a really promising development with the addition of Damian Priest and the possibility of sort of a new brood-esque stable. Really weird match on Monday Night Raw and where, you know, Damian Priest just looked up to the gods or the demons or whatever room got as blue as my background and match was over one how much confidence do you have that they can turn around the stable because it, it went from it went from floundering to possibly exciting and it, it's just been a whirlwind part two who do you think they should incorporate into the stable if they really want to make this pop off we'll start with can't remember who we start with last time so let's go with go with raj this time I, I thought that ending really sucked, by the way. <laughs> it, it's like ever since The Undertaker left, they need to find someone that does magic and they have to bring magic in somehow. They had Bray Wyatt and then Alexa Bliss. And now I, I hope they don't go the magic route with with these guys because I think it could be a really cool stable. Edge and Damian Priest, they look like a million bucks together. Uh, who else? I think Rhea Ripley. I, I, you know, I think as soon as people said on Twitter, who else should be on this? Rhea Ripley was probably the, the number one name that came up. She could really use a boost. I think her as a heel um, and, and possible matches with Bianca Belair or Sasha Banks, depending on how they do it. I mean, it could be really cool. So I hope they don't go too far with the magic because that ending on Raw, it, it kind of killed it the first hour for me because I thought this episode has been really good. And then they had Damien Priest doing the vampire thing in the middle of the ring. And then they came back and it's like, all right, we're moving on. So, but I think Rhea Ripley, I think this could be a really cool group. It seems like they don't have it figured out where they're going with it, but it, th there's a ton of potential there. Okay. Optimism. I love it. Candace. <laughs> <laughs> I just thinking about that ending still, I'm cracking up because it was so abrupt and made no sense. And I'm thinking, okay, who is this appealing to? I know Twilight is on, on Netflix right now. I know it's a thing. Everyone's binging it. But what, it just made no sense. But it also was hilarious to me. I just couldn't stop laughing. Having said that, I agree with Raj. The only other person I could see in this stable is Rhea. And I also say that because I see that split happening between her and Liv. I know it's coming. It's unfortunate because I like them both as a tag team. But I just, I'm starting to see the cracks. So if anyone's going to fill that third potential spot, it has to be Rhea Ripley. And it would be cool to have her in the mix and see what she does within said faction, which I think that would be really awesome. But I I just don't want to see any more endings. <laughs> and if they do end like that, at least explain it, do something else, explain it, give us some more. It was it was hilarious, but I'm I'm thinking, no, we can, you know, chill on that and just just do something else. But I'm I'm a fan of the magic. I'm here for anything that's supernatural that's my opinion so if you're gonna do it just go big or go home so connor so i i, I posited this on twitter last night 
I am perfectly fine if this just turns into a straight up the brood, the next generation type thing. Like bring bring the out bring out a remix version of the Jim Johnson theme. Bring up the fire and the pyro intro. Um, have the bloodbath. Like do it all. Bring all of the the goofy vampire stuff back if you're going to do it. Because if you're going to do it half ass, why bother? Go go the whole way with it. And I feel like in this day and age, people are going to embrace it for the goofiness rather than shrug it off as, eh, it's just vampires again. Like, no, they'll, they'll be like, no, we can get behind this. This could be fun. As for members, you know, the, the room, the big rumor was Rhea Ripley. That seems to fit perfectly her aesthetic already kind of where she's at right now in the card. She just kind of floundered after her raw women's title win. And then the whole thing with Nikki Ash. My other pick is Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, not only does he have uh, a real life connection to Edge, um, they both bonded over their neck injuries, uh, but he's also Canadian. So wait, no, he's not Canadian, but they fit. Uh, I thought he was Canadian. No, my bad. My bad, Shaq. Sorry to mistake him. But um, you also got to give him something to do on uh, on Raw. They they just had him backstage being like, no, this is this is Ezekiel. It's up there with uh, with Chris Harris in terms of the the great first impressions on WWE's main roster. Um, I love him and I would love to give him something to do. So let's, let's go with him. Okay. I, I, I think there's actually something kind of, like you said, Connor, I think there's something fun to explore on the idea of edge sort of coming up with the brood. And now all these years later being sort of helming the brood as, as the person in that group who, who, who took their career the farthest as a single superstar. This is probably because I really like Liv and I think she may have named one of her baby cows in my honor. Um, I never got the confirmation though, which is the sad part. Um, I actually think I know Liv's like really into the the witch stuff. When have we seen? You know, typically when we see these super groups form, you kind of have the guy who's like the world title contender or the champion. You have, in this case, Damian Priest sort of being the U.S. and mid tier title guy. Then you have a tag team. Why not keep Rhea and Liv together? And I think maybe a fun twist on this format would be to have them as the women's tag team champions as part of the stable as opposed to the more traditional format of having two male tag team champions but you know that's just me spitballing you guys are the ex sorry sorry to rain on your parade canvas i know and connor oh, and raj man <laughs> man live morgan stands up here with me i love live morgan i really do yeah. but i, I want to see sasha and naomi keep those titles for as long as possible that's just me yeah. I, I love the idea, but God bless them. They can't focus on more than one women's tag team at a given time. Like, that's the problem. Yeah. And that, none of the tag teams right now were a tag team six months ago. So, well, um, yeah. It's very makeshift, uh, and they're going as they go along. The, the one thing, it's been a long time since we've had a new WWE stable mm-hmm. uh, on the main roster. So that's kind of cool to see. It's It's been a while. So um, uh, probably since the Wyatts, right? Yeah. Oh, you forgot you forgot retribution. How could you forget <laughs> such, a, such a momentous? What match? am I thinking? What am I thinking? <laughs> man, shout out to Ali and whatever. Wherever he is right now, man. Fingers crossed for that guy. What a talent. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's head back to AW. Kind of like the last question we asked. Um, I gotta say, this was entirely inspired by Wheeler Yuta. Let me stand up and be the first one to say, as someone who you know, I, I watch Dynamite Weekly usually catch rampage i watch smackdown for work and that's about the extent of it you know i'll turn in for the super cards here row and jpw but i'm a, probably a little bit more of a casual wrestling fan in this industry than most i could not have cared less about wheeler yuda like three weeks ago if you were to ask me what do you think about wheeler yuda i'm like well i know he's super solid in the ring i know the indie fans love him but the look is generic the personality is generic. I don't know what to tell you. This storyline between Wheeler Yuta sort of separating from the best friends, Black uh, what Liverpool what is it Blackpool Combat Club? Blackpool yeah, this, is, Combat. this is the second coffee you need here. His matches with Brian Danielson, John Moxley, the way that they've incrementally increased in excitement and in competitiveness hearkening all the way back to that tying it into that first match where John Moxley just ran through Wheeler in a minute 
I don't know if there's a super, if there's a wrestler on the AEW roster I care more about than Wheeler Yuta right now. They have nailed, absolutely nailed this storyline in a relatively short period of time. And I, I believe in Yula, uh, Wheeler Yuta. So what I want to do is take a moment now. When we think about, and I'll let you guys define what a prospect is in AEW, but when we think about the uh, developmental program, the star-making program of AEW, who do you think is its biggest benefactor? Who has AEW done the best job of taking from zero to hero? Because right now I'd struggle to name anyone other than Wheeler Yuta. We'll start with Candace. Wow. I'm or whoever so has the name first. Yeah. I'm so conflicted because I honestly had three that sprung right immediately to mind. And they weren't Wheeler Yuta, although I, I love him. I really appreciate him. His his rise is it's phenomenal to see. But you know, judging from watching it from the very first episode, and I'm I might get some flack for my choices, but I have to say Jade is one of them. Mm. Wardlow is another. Um, gosh, who was my third person? Hook. Hook is in there. I say this because, okay, so for instance, for Hook, judging from when we first saw him to now, he had that silent type thing going on. And he still does. We have barely heard a word from him. We didn't know what he could do. We just saw him with Team Taz and we just figured, okay, soon we're going to see him work in the ring and, and that'll be the major test. His fan base, I mean, and I'm definitely a part of his fan base, we've seen him from that point to this point, and it just gets more rabid as time goes on. He's, he's wonderful. I can't think of a better way seeing, and that's also bringing Wheeler Yuta into mind, but honestly, I really can't think of a better way for this man's come up. It's just awesome to see. And it's only getting better. And the way that they're protecting him, I really like it. And I like what they're doing with him and Danhausen because it still adds to the mystery. And I like the fact that we barely heard anything about Hook. Now with Jade, that's also amazing to me because she's risen in a fairly short amount of time. And I remember seeing her in the audience, you know, during the pandemic era of AEW and people in the comment section, you know, for AEW Dark were wondering, who is this woman? I mean, she caught people's eyes from the very beginning. You know, there's been some bumps here and there, but she's a superstar. I mean, Vanessa Hudgens called her out in her Instagram story recently. Like, that's mainstream crossover and very few people can do that. She definitely has an it factor and it's just getting bigger and bigger. You know, she has the baddie section thing going on. She has this great rapport with Mark Sterling. It's just so cool to see her fashion sense is on point. Everything about her just screams superstar. And I think the way that she's building herself and getting, you know, that mentorship from Brian Danielson, that's, that's a coup in and of itself. My third option, Wardlow, I also say this because his storyline with MGF is really gripping to me. You know, seeing it from the beginning to what it is now. Yes, there have been some bumps with that storyline, but I really like how they're building him more into a monster because that's the only way to go with him. And now everyone can't wait to see what happens with him and MGF. Every time Dynamite comes on, everyone's saying, I can't wait for Wardlow to whoop MGF's butt. Like, I can't wait. Every week we're just anticipating it. And when that payoff happens, it's going to be brilliant. It's it's really, I think the pop in that room or whichever stadium that happens in, it's going to be astronomical. So those are not my top three. No shade to Wheeler Yuta, but those three, they they just have it for me. Like I can't wait to see where things go. And I think their growth and their build is really special. Yeah. Serious Triple H Batista vibes with MJF and Wardlow, and I'm here yes. for it all day. Connor, what do you got, my man? So I don't remember who posted this, so I, I'm sorry, I can't give credit. But somebody posted a photo over the weekend of who they had crowned as the next four pillars of AEW. A lot, of, a lot was made, especially in the last year, about the original four being Jungle Boy, Darby, MJF, and Sammy. And rightfully so. They're all great. And I think five years from now, unless Max leaves, we'll kind of they'll be kind of at the forefront of the company. The second four was Daniel Garcia, Lee Moriarty, your boy Wheeler, and Hook. And I'm good with those four being that next wave of future main eventers. You talk about four incredibly young guys uh, who have all shown just are absolute savants in the ring already. And uh, each kind of brings something different to the table. Everyone looked at Daniel Garcia the moment he showed up. The guy didn't have to say a word, but, you know, Daniel Bryan saying this is my son from a somehow even though they, the ages don't match up um punk's like i need to get in the ring with this guy uh hook became a meme didn't say a word only wrestled on rampage and now he's a sensation 
Um, Moriarty blows me away every time he's in the ring. He he was one of the early matches on um, on Supercard and wound up help stealing the show. He had a fantastic match with Danielson a few weeks back here in Nashville. And then uh, Wheeler, I'll be honest, I didn't see it. I, I didn't see the hype. I hadn't had a chance to watch a lot of his indie matches. And he, between the pure match he had at Supercard, which pure match rules aren't my bag for a few different reasons, but he made it work. And then his match with Mox. And you took a guy that just, you took someone who you didn't really know his personality and you realized, oh, this guy is good enough to kick out of every finisher Mox is going to throw at him, leave him as a bloody mess, and he's still not going to tap. Like You just proved he is one of the hardest SOBs in the company. And all you had to do was give him one great match on Rampage. Like the sky is the limit for all four of those dudes. So I don't know if that answers your question, Shaq, but I, I love that idea of the next four pillars. Yeah. Raj? So MJF doesn't count, right? Or does he? Because he, he wasn't on the national scene before. And However you want to interpret the question is okay with me, Raj. Sure. I mean, I'd have to say MJF because he's a main event talent now. And he kind of went from, you know, he was in MLW and, and on the indies before being signed with AEW. But uh, once they brought him in, he's a top star. So right away, he's easily uh, number one for me. But I thought Candace's list just hit the nail on the head. I, I agree with Jade uh, Wardlow. Uh, both of them, I can see headlining pay-per-views sooner than later. Wheeler Yuta, he's in a great storyline. I love I, I, this storyline's fantastic. And, and if you're in the right storyline, you'll see it can elevate you. It did with Hangman Page with the storyline with Kenny Omega. But you know, I, I know AEW is obviously more you care more about in-ring than WWE, but still to get to that main event slot, you still have to have charisma and good mic skills. Um you know, every, you, you look at everyone that's main evented an AEW pay-per-view and they all have either really good charisma, great mic skills or, or both. And so I think it's too early to say with Wheeler Yuta, obviously the storyline's great. It's, it's elevated him greatly. Now to get to that next step, I, I do think he needs to work on his character some, work on his promos and uh, take advantage of being elevated and, uh, and, and get to that next level. And if he can do that, I agree. I, 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 I see him you know, in, in that mix. Yeah. Uh, all great answers. Um, I think you're right. If sort of going with Raj's sort of criteria, MJF, a shoe in, um, Candace as well, Jade from day one, you could just see it. I, I do like the Wardlow call because what sort of pulled me away from picking, let's say Jade or MJF is I felt even from day one of their entry that AEW had big plans for these guys. And you could sort of tell Wardlow is one who I wasn't sure how far he was going to develop in AEW, and this storyline has just been fantastic, and it's great to see sort of this development of his character. I, I think, I can't say it's objectively Wheeler Yuta, but the fact that AEW was able to make take someone who I could, no offense, care less about, I could not, I could not have cared less about Wheeler Yuta three weeks ago, and turn it into... In recent memory, one of my personal favorite AEW matches, I, I just think is incredible. Raj, this is a great opportunity for him, like you said. Ball's in his court. He's got William Regal, Brian Danielson, and John Moxley in his corner. If those three guys can't you know, help him develop the right personality, uh, I don't know who can. So future looks bright, but it's interesting to see how he can take this and parlay it into something bigger. Okay, guys, very quickly, before we move on to the Q&As, guys, if you have any questions for the four of us, please leave a super chat now. We'll get to it in the last 10 minutes of the show. Very quickly, I just want to take a moment now that we've had time to let it sit. And as I continue to lean into recency bias and candidly the first ever Hall of Fame ceremony I watched live, was there a better speech than the Undertaker's TED Talk at WrestleMania 38 week? To see a guy, and you know, I, I had the honor, absolute honor of interviewing him uh, about a couple weeks before that, to peel back one of the most protected characters in the history of professional wrestling, and, and to take this time to do something he really never gets the chance to do, which is impart some of that wisdom on more than a one-on-one -on -one level with his contemporaries, was just so wonderful to see and the emotion and the fact that it took him like 20 minutes to even get started he was choking up so much to see him be so vulnerable i thought was just fascinating awe-inspiring i want to get your guys's quick thoughts where does this rank for you in terms of hall of fame speeches we'll start with connor 
It's funny how a lot of wrestlers are great promos, but aren't particularly great at giving speeches, <laughs> which is so when you pose this question, I'm like, can I think of memorable Hall of Fame speeches? You get certain lines. Everybody posted the Scott Hall bit from his speech when he passed earlier, but you can't look at it and say, oh, he had a great speech. Sure. One of them did it. it they, a lot of them just tend to blend together because they're given too much time. Taker did a great job. For one thing, the presentation was a little bit different. I like you, you call it a TED talk, but I did like that they gave him the wireless mic as opposed to making him, you know, hunch over the podium the whole time. I love the different outfits that were in the background. Vince did a fantastic job uh, doing the intro, uh, but more, most importantly, I'm, I'm glad, I'm really glad he had dropped the character by this point. Like I talked to him uh, right before the last ride was wrapping up. And by that point, he had well let the cat out of the bag. He was talking as Mark Calloway. And I'm glad he chose to do that here. If it had just been him in the character, I feel like it would have done him a disservice. With this, you gave him the chance to tell stories that otherwise we never would have heard of. He got to finally open about the BSK. We heard that story about his mom trying to hop the guardrail. I don't know if you, anyone would have been able to tell that otherwise. Um, there, there was just so many little tangents and tidbits that it's like, this is the only way we could have possibly ever gotten this. And that's what makes this so special. Raj. Yeah. To Connor's point, I, you know, I kind of figured they were going to let him do the speech as Mark Calloway, but I was a little worried that they might do a rehash of the survivor series where he's doing it in character and kind of the same thing he did at survivor series, but in front of a crowd. And I'm so glad they didn't go that way. I thought, uh, this was definitely the most memorable um, Hall of Fame speech. My personal bias, I always love Bobby Heenan's induction speech. It's just entertaining from top to bottom. Uh, but The Undertaker's is, it's iconic like the character, you know, itself and, and, and the man himself. So I thought it was an amazing Hall of Fame induction. I liked the way they did it. I, I did like the TED Talk format uh, because him just standing there in front of the podium uh, would have, yeah, I, I, I just felt like, it was more interesting the way they did it. And because it took so long for him to even get started speaking with how loud the crowd was, I thought it, I thought it was awesome. And uh, it was fitting of the man, uh, a legendary character. And so I thought it was, it was a, a home run, hundred percent. Candace. Right. So disclaimer, even though I didn't grow up watching a ton of wrestling, there were two individuals, two wrestlers that scared the heck out of me as a kid. The Undertaker and Boogeyman. So it is true, it's facts. So seeing, <laughs> seeing this speech and you nailed it on the head, uh, Shaq, it really felt like a TED talk. It was so motivational. And I really, I myself got choked up a bit because I wasn't expecting this type of speech from The Undertaker. You know, he's such a larger than life character and he's so venerated in the industry. Of course, you know, he's a hall of famer now and, and being able to just sit and watch this speech, which went on you know, a little over 20 minutes or so, from the beginning to the end, I was just riveted. I just was taking it all in. And it, you know, the advice that he gave, I, I walked away from that speech just thinking, that's gonna go down in history as one of the best speeches of the WWE Hall of Fame. It has to, because it really struck a chord. And I could see, even if you aren't a wrestling fan, looking at that speech and really feeling inspired because his story is still relatable. You know, we all go through struggles. We all go through trials and tribulations in life. And he expressed that. And then at the end, he gave his advice on how to fight through those trials and really, you know, make your own journey in life and, and create the life that you want. And that is, that's powerful. So that's what I took away from the speech. Yeah, you, when you said uh, wrestlers would give you nightmares, you unearthed a, a deep-seated childhood memory of mine just now where <laughs> The Rock and Steve Austin were trying to save me from The Undertaker and, uh, you know, Paul White, the big show back in his underwear days, pre-singlet, pre wow. and uh, they got promptly thrown through a window and I, I woke up in terror, which... It's weird because you know that The Undertaker is portraying a character. You know that it's a guy named Mark Calloway. But to never hear a peep about who Mark Calloway is, and then over this last year, and especially at this Hall of Fame, it's just such a shock to the system. It's such a splash of cold water in the best way possible. And uh, it's, without a doubt, one of the best speeches of all time. All right, guys, let's move on to the Q&A for the last 10 minutes. Very quick reminder, if you can, please subscribe, hit that notification bell, thumbs up. All those things go a long way. 
Fightful Wrestling just hit 70k subscribers on YouTube. Let's help them get to 100. Um, first, Super Chat donation from Sir Brendo here who says, It's interesting seeing Raj on Fightful. Loving it. Raj, what do you think about Sean Ross Sapp, candidly? Oh, I, I, no, no, I mean, no. he's he was with us for a long time. He was kind of my right-hand man for a long time. So uh, we've been talking. I'm hoping to have him on as well. Next next uh, month is our 25th anniversary hey. of Wrestling Inc. So got some stool, cool stuff planned. But yeah, I've, I've you know kept in touch with Sean over the years. We've even broken a story a, a story last year together. So any any dirty secrets you can let out of the bag for us? Gosh, I not really i wish <laughs> i wish well, i had more i'll cancel wish i would have dug in the dirt more when he when he was there yeah. <laughs> when you're ready to help connor and i put the nail in the fightful coffin just tolerate your boy please all right uh all right uh daniel he used R. to get mad when i'd call him out on his typos though oh perfect okay <laughs> i will keep a close eye on his tweets uh daniel r hello all two-part questions what makes a great wrestling faction is one and then who would be in your perfect faction current wrestlers any company Okay, fun one. Um, I can see the brain swirling while you guys are thinking. I'll, I'll throw in my two cents on the what makes a great wrestling faction. I think one, you need variety. Everyone in there needs to fill a particular role. You know, you have a classic format like the Pinnacle had, where you've got, you know, the leader, the star, the tra- the, the the charismatic one. You've got the tag team workhorses. You've got a uh, you've got a bodyguard in, in Wardlow and then sort of a right-hand man in Sean Spears. Everyone just needs to occupy some sort of role. I think that's super clear and clean-cut. And, and and the beauty is in doing that is you don't have to have everyone be so victorious all the time. But everyone needs to play a role. There are way too many. You know, when you think about the NWO, by the time it's sort of out, outworn its welcome, you had like every person was part of some sort of NWO affiliate. It doesn't, it needs to mean something, right? These memberships have to be exclusive. Everyone needs to play a role. And, and you can see in some of these factions, like I'd say, uh, you know, on the Andrade family office, like, what's the point? Why is, why are the Blade and Butcher there? Why is Pirate Party there? I think the Pinnacles are a really good example of everyone playing a very specific role. Um, I think the elite is an example of, you know, best friends, all championship caliber guys. Everyone needs to bring something to the table. That, for me, I think is what makes a good faction. Anyone here want to raise their hand on who their uh, perfect faction is? Connor? Um, Honestly, as far as perfect faction goes, I think the one that uh, Danielson proposed, but we're only kind of seeing the first start of it, um, is is getting there. I, I love the idea of uh, of Moxley and Danielson basically having guys like Garcia, Moriarty, and uh, and gosh, who Wheeler, Yuta being their guys. I would love to throw Punk into that at some point. Um, I'm curious how Eddie Kingston feels about this whole thing because he loves Mox but doesn't care for Danielson. Um, I feel like Darby would be an interesting uh, addition to that in some way if you can get him away from his goth dad. Um, but as far as what like makes a great faction, uh, one of the pitfalls that so many groups fall into, if it's a trio or if it's four people, is that it's it's one guy and three heaters. It's one guy that the group is actually for, and then the rest are just there to try and protect him from. Um, you need you brought it up, Shaq. You need things like exclusivity. You can't have fifty members in it. That's what a lot of the reason that people fell off the rails with NWO. Um, it's why Bullet Club's uh, popularity ebbs and flows because you get guys like House of Torture and you all look over and go, why are you here? Um, and, and you need something where everybody in the group brings something different to the table. And by the, the time the faction ends, more people need to have been built up than when it began. When you look at Evolution, the reason it's a great faction is because it gave you two WrestleMania main eventers at the end of it that had previously not been. Uh, the reason Bullet Club has such longevity is that it took guys and elevated them uh, to status never seen before. You think of guys like Jay White, AJ Styles coming in from TNA, uh, Kenny Omega, the Bucks, the Good Brothers. You look at where they were when the faction started and look where they are now. And it's and I think that's that's what separates those from the retributions of the world where no one benefited. Uh, Roger Candice, whoever wants to go. Uh 
you know, to, to Connor's point, when he brings up evolution, I think evolution is one of the greatest uh, mm. factions of all time for that very reason is that it created two main eventers and it elevated people. And it created one of the biggest WrestleMania matches, you know, uh, that didn't involve Hulk Hogan or The Rock with uh, Triple H and Batista. So elevating, bringing up new talent, uh, but having established guys in there, uh, Shaq, to your point, when you're saying variety, you know, that's why the edgeheads don't work. When everyone's kind of looking the same and and being the same, it, 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 you need the, the difference in personality. That's why the original NWO, I thought, was so uh, was so effective because they had great chemistry and they were all so different. Uh, as far as, you know, guys today, I thought Pinnacle was kind of on, on the right, uh, on, uh, on the right road with MJF. You got Wardlow in that Batista role being built up. And then you had FTR who could just have great matches anytime and any day of the week. So I thought that was one of the better ones we've seen, uh, in a while. And yes, the, uh, um, uh, Moxley and Yuta and Danielson definitely has a ton of potential and I'm excited to see where that goes. Candace? Yeah. I mean, what makes a great fact faction, all of you made excellent points. It's about the chemistry and the synergy and, and each person bringing a specific flavor to the mix and not all being the same. You know, there has to be something unique about each of them for us to root, not only for the faction as a whole, but individual wise. Um, my dream faction, I personally, and this is absolutely dream, don't know if it'll ever happen. I want to see Julia from Stardom come into AEW and, and work with anyone. At this point, if it's Jade, if it's Nyla, if I, I just want to see a faction around Julia. I love her. She's fantastic. Maybe Tony Khan will hear this and make that happen, but I'm team Julia. Like I could totally see her with, with Jade. And actually I could see her with Jade, Nyla and a fourth person who that is, I have no idea. It could be anyone, but uh, I, I want something like that to, ha to happen. That's just, you know, I'm manifesting that, putting it in the universe. I like it. House of Black's a cool one too. I hope they get a, mm. a little bit more yes. time to shine and develop. Um, okay, interesting. Shout out to the throwback. I've been asking people this out of curiosity. Roman just passed over 850 days since his last loss. Do you see Roman passing Bruno? We don't talk about Bruno, no, San Martino. And that is how they wrote it. And that was an acapella. Should we compare the two? Um, I mean, I just don't think we're in a day and age right now, the way, the way in which wrestling works. You know, is 850 days super impressive? Yes. Are we going to see another 2,000 of them? I, I don't think so. Um, what's the closest you guys think we can get? to a Bruno San Martino run in, in the modern day wrestling landscape. I thought it was Okada with that two year run there for a minute, but now I think Roman's going to sit it at somewhere around a thousand. Yeah. You, you adjust for inflation and yeah. you know, it's uh it's probably as impressive as you're going to get, mm. uh, you know, since Hogan at least. So, I mean, just with weekly TV, Hogan wasn't on TV every week. You know, they saved his appearances. He was on once every six weeks or, or whatever it was. Uh, so, yeah, the way that Roman's been able to do that and still be uh, interesting and his segments, you know, be some of the highest rated on the show, if not the highest rated, uh, it just shows that they're doing a great job with them. Where they're not doing a great job is finding uh, other stars to build on that level. And you need to have him you know, they're going to Nakamura right now who they've just been beating left and right. And I'm all for Nakamura being in that spot. If you built him correctly, if he's on a great run, you need to get more guys up to that level because right now it just feels like there's no one there. Candace, anything to add? Yeah. I mean, he could surpass he's, he's, you know, on God mode right now. God's here. It's, it's quite possible. And Roger's right. I completely agree. There needs to be more people built up to that level um who that potentially could be at this moment. I mean Ron Breaker comes to mind as someone that you know is still very young and and he's just started within the WWE he could be that next successor perhaps but um yeah I mean it, it's Roman still you know sitting and settling in his career he's not retiring anytime soon he could certainly break some records so uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised absolutely what a long reign that would be. I'm kind of I'm kind of over the Roman Reigns run, guys. It's been fantastic. No fault of his own. I just have a very short attention span. Um, all right, last one from Daniel R. Here before we wrap things up, gentlemen. Uh, and AEW Dynamite put forth an awesome main event last week. 
FTR versus Young Bucks for the AAA and Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. Daniel R. wants to know, is FTR the best thing in wrestling? Anyone? I'd say the best tag team in wrestling right now, okay. for sure. Um, I, because not only are they great in the ring, but they're great at getting the character down. And like they turn babyface without needing to change everything about them or make it feel forced. You know, they're a babyface tag team and they just made subtle differences. I mean, they just get it. I'd love to see Bret Hart align with them. I hope that happens. But uh, yeah, they're, I, if FTR is on, I'm watching. I think they're, as far as tag teams go, easily the best thing right now. They are absolutely one of my favorite things about wrestling. Um, you look at the the run that they're on right now. It, it's they're the tag team of the year, and it's it's their race to lose between the mat the impromptu match with Moxley and Punk, the match with the Briscoes, which bet- I'd argue is the greatest straight up tag team match I've ever seen live, and then the main event they just had last week, which completely outperformed the uh, first time they wrestled the Bucks. Yeah, it, it's their race to lose. Um, they're one of my favorite things about wrestling right now because you completely believe that the passion they have that they bring to the ring is legitimate. You listen to them talk about their love of wrestling, their love of old school tag teams, their love of Bret Hart, the uh, you know the men- the mental stuff, the anxiety that they combat going into each match. Um, they they put so much of their heart into it and they wear that on their sleeve. And there are so many guys in the business that treat it like it's a business. And to their point, it is. It's a job for a lot of people. For them, you know that this is so much more than just a job. It's a passion. And that kind of energy is contagious. So when I see people get, give that off, all I want to do is watch what they do next. I'm, I'm here all day for the... Uh retro aesthetics of the wardrobe and the entrance music it's all uh, everything old is new again right candace mm-hmm. anything to add in closing i mean when i think ftr i definitely think blood sweat and oh well, twitter i'm the ring they just sorry just freezing <laughs> up there a for a second there we now. go <laughs> <laughs> Perfect time to put that one. But yeah, in closing, nothing. Right? Exactly. (laughs) I feel like they're my surrogate uncles. I want to see them win. They really are one of my favorite things, my favorite teams in wrestling right now. I wholeheartedly agree. And they've put on absolute clinics within this past week and a half, you know, throughout WrestleMania weekend going or leading after it. And I just can't wait to see what next they can do. And they are passionate. I agree with Connor. They're absolutely passionate, not just for the business, but for the sport and the art of it. And you can't help but root for that. And it's, I'm team FTR always. I just, I just want to see more FTR. I can never say no to any more FTR. Well, what better note to end on than a positive one? Got to have one of the, what a nice way to start the week. What a nice sentiment, Candace. All right, guys, <laughs> let's send this home uh, very quickly. If you can, please, quick reminder, if you haven't already yet, what are you doing? Please hit subscribe, thumbs up, notification bell, all that good stuff. Leave a comment. Let us know who do you think is the best thing in wrestling right now. Is it FTR? Is it MJF? Is it Roman Reigns? Is it Cody? Braun Breaker? The list goes on and on. Let us know. Uh, shameless plugs. I love doing them. You can check me out. My written work at cbssports.com. YouTube channels, Shaq Wrestling. Probably what's going to connect with you the most. I got an interview that came out 10, 12 days ago with The Undertaker. There's ones with Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair that came out ahead of WrestleMania week. So please check those out. Uh, Shaq MMA as well if you're into that kind of stuff. Trying to get a little more active there. But we got interviews with Yuri Prohaska, Robert Whitaker, Tai Tuivasa, and beyond. Raj? Uh, yeah, check out Wrestling Inc. WrestlingInc.com. Our 25th anniversary is coming up in May. We've got a bunch of cool stuff planned. Uh, we have a bunch of exclusive interviews that we conducted over WrestleMania week that are, you know, uh, that we just recently, recently released AJ Styles, Braun Breaker, Los Lissarios, uh, uh, Liv Morgan. So just a, a ton of great stuff. So keep checking out WrestlingInc.com and follow us at Wrestling Inc. Wrestling Inc. The one publication that AJ Styles reads. So that should be good. For you. <laughs> yeah. Wait, it's fine. Candace. 
yes, for PWI Pro Wrestling Illustrated, you can hit us up on pwi-online.com to get your digital copy. Uh, physical copies for the latest issue are forthcoming. So if you are a subscriber, just stay tuned. Uh, there was a bit of a delay, but please do not fear. They are on the way to your mailbox. Uh, so please do check us out. I have a show on the PWI YouTube channel, uh, Face Turn with Candice Cordelia, where I interview some of your favorite stars. I've interviewed Chelsea Green, Matt Cardona, Effie, the list goes on and on. So please stay tuned for more of that. And as Shaq mentioned, I'm also on Broadway World that's not wrestling related, but you can go to broadwayworld.com and check all of that out. And Bust It Open, I make monthly contributions on that lovely radio show. I'm usually there on a Friday uh, with Dave LaGreca and Mark Henry. So stay tuned for the next appearance that I'll make and follow me on social media. Connor. Find all my stuff over at comicbook.com. We don't just cover wrestling. We cover all things nerd culture, your comics, your movies, your TV, your video games, and your anime. Uh, all my wrestling stuff is over there. Got a bunch of interviews from WrestleMania week on the docket. Got a new one with Johnny Gargano dropping tomorrow. It's always a good time to talk with him. Uh, follow me on Twitter at ConnorKCCB. Same on Instagram. You can also catch me every now and then on the Comic Book Nation podcast. We are live every Friday YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, all the good places. And then we're available on Paramount Plus as well. I still need to get my, I'm supposed to get a free Paramount Plus subscription. CBS, where are you at with that? Uh, guys, thank you so much for checking this out. Do this once a month. So we'll be back next time with another all-star panel. Thank you so much for checking it out. We'll see you guys soon. Take care. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.